Morning, church. Sam, nice job on the electric guitar there, don't you think? Doing a fine job there. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, worship team, this morning. Wonderful to be in God's presence in song. We just sang that, send me out. Send me out. In just a moment, we're going to talk about what does that look like in our places of work. What does it mean to be sent into your place of work as the light of Jesus? To be his hands and feet. That'll be our topic of discussion in just a moment, but a couple of things before we get there. Uh, Two weeks from today, uh, Jesse Doughty. Uh, who served many years on staff here at Arise Church, will be sharing with us. He is one of those guys that we sent out. A number have been sent out from this place. And I I look forward to that continuing. Even with our current staff, we sent Aaron out this past week uh, to the public school system. Uh, One of these days, Sam will be sent out from this, uh, Lord willing, to plant a church down the road. And uh, all of this is in preparation. Jesus wants to send us. Where is he sending you? Greg, where is he sending you? Dallas, right? And then California. Yeah, to be light for Jesus in that way. Absolutely, absolutely right. And through your faithful giving, we are able to send folk out. And that's what it's about. We're supporting those sent out overseas, uh, doing work in nations across the world through the Christian Missionary Alliance, as well as planting churches right here in our own backyard. Sending, sending, sending. So at this time, uh, I want to say a couple of things. Thanks for giving so that we might send. And if you're new to that aspect of worship here at Arise Church, uh, we do that right back in the corner. We don't pass plates Part of me misses that. Part of me is glad that's over. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, But at any rate, that's how we give. We believe that's an act of worship here at Arise Church as we acknowledge God's sovereignty over everything. And especially that which is most precious to us, like our children. So we're going to send them out uh, right now to our Kid Connect ministry as a part of Arise. Amy, can you give us a wave there? There's Amy. So kids, if you want to head back that way, uh, Amy will take you and you're going to learn about Jesus again today. All right. If you don't have uh, sermon notes, uh, are they available? Yes, right back here. So if you don't have them and you want to follow along, uh, please raise your hand, and that will be a part of our teaching then this morning. So you ready to get into God's word? Here we go. Here we go. Jesus said, Jesus said, he said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Hmm. We start with that principle that The Father is at work all around you and me right now. Jesus is also working. Now, if we're a follower of Jesus, what does that mean we should be doing? Uh, Maybe. Uh, Let's think about this, right? Wow, because it's Labor Day. Labor Day weekend already. How many of you are glad it's Labor Day weekend already? Not many of you. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. But it is Labor Day weekend. A little bit cooler here in Wisconsin. Football season started. All those things are happening. 
for those living in the United States and Canada, uh, tomorrow is Labor Day. Way back in 1894, President Grover Cleveland designated the first Monday of September as a day to honor the working masses. So that day was set aside. It was strategically placed between the 4th of July and Thanksgiving. That's why it's in September, because it's exactly halfway in between, right? But it was originally designed to be a day to honor the working masses. Of course, America in 1894 is not America today. Much different. The working masses look different. But for us, it usually marks the end of the summer season. Some of us get an extra day off of work. Uh, so that is the topic for this morning. Work, what is it? Well, by dictionary definition, we say work, it can be a noun, an adjective, or a verb, depending on how it's used. It means continued exertion or activity, a job or position, or exhausting or unrewarding effort or toil. Now, that's not exactly <laughs> drawing me in uh, that this is a positive word. Work looks kind of negative in that sense. But what does God think about our work? As Don said, he likes his job. He's a rarity. Do you like your job? That's the question. Do you like your job? 80% of employees, according to Deloitte's Shift Index survey, said they don't like their job. 80% of people don't like their job. Now, that's overall. We all have certain aspects of our job we're not crazy about, right? Uh, but in general, 80% of employees say, I don't like my job. I don't like my job. A recent survey revealed that 25% of employees in the United States hate their job so much they compare it with working in a prison. Wow. 25%. A quarter of us say, I hate my job so much, it's like I'm in prison. While only 19% say they love their jobs, which would fit in with the Deloitte Index. At a recent elders meeting, I asked if anyone woke up each morning and was excited and joyful to go to work. Remember me asking that question? Yes. And do you know what the elders did? They hung their head. Todd, is that right? Why is that? Why is that the spiritual leaders of our church have this kind of cringe? Well, I, I get it. Working today is difficult. The demands. You have less staff, you have more responsibility, more expectations, you're working harder than ever, and it's like, where is this thing going to end? So much pressure, so much stress, right? And so we're not exactly joyful about going to work. It's like, oh, do I have to go to work? I just, oh, as Don said, you get tired, right? We get tired. Just all the pressure these days of going to work. I get that. So as a result, U.S. News and World Report stated, employees on the average spend 34% of their time not working. Because it would make sense if you don't like your job, and you are in tr tremendous stress, the way to accommodate that is by not working while you're at work. Right? Okay, I'm just stating the facts at this point, right? Just stating the facts. Even though working remotely has changed the workplace landscape, at least in this country, I believe forever, now more than ever, I'm convinced we have this tremendous opportunity to make a difference for Jesus in our place of work. 
And that's what we want to talk about today. Sociologists suggest we spend about one-third of our lives or about 50% of our waking hours at work. A third of your life is spent at work. And if you're doing that which you don't like, in fact, you hate it, we are throwing our lives away to something that we don't even want to do. Ever think about that? Hmm. Hmm. For many of us, work is a source of frustration, not fulfillment. And this might cause us to ask the question, why does my work seem so much like work? Should our work seem like work? Hmm. Well, let's see what the Word of God says. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, wrote that hard work can, in fact, be a good thing. Do you believe that hard work can be a good thing? Uh, There's certain aspects to hard work that are good. And, of course, we're in America and a Protestant work ethic which is not necessarily biblical, but it is what it is. Uh, We say that hard work is good, and I believe that hard work is good. I do. Here's what Solomon said. People who work hard sleep well. I have found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labor. Now keep that in mind. People who work hard sleep well. He's going to say in just a moment that people who work hard worry at night and can't sleep. So just hang on to that thought for a moment. But he says in the book of Ecclesiastes, why is this man whoever lives? People who work hard sleep well. I found great pleasure in hard work. But it did not provide the answers, the search for meaning and purpose in life that he was looking for. It was a job. It was a means to an end. It provided for my family. It was a source of income. But it did not bring me satisfaction and purpose and meaning in life. Here's what he said. I turned in despair from hard work. It was not the answer to my search for satisfaction in this life. Have you found that to be true? If we are banking on our work to bring us satisfaction and meaning in life, not going to happen. That wasn't God's plan from the beginning. In fact, it left the wisest man, King Solomon, quite frustrated. Here's what he wrote. Why do people, or what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's just meaningless. It's just ridiculous. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work's for nothing like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. And I think as a country, this is where we are. We're discouraged. We're frustrated. We're angry. Angry. And most of us don't like our jobs. Huh. What are we going to do with this? On the other hand, some of us are using our busyness at work as some kind of cheap anesthetic to deaden the pain of an empty, out-of-control life. It really doesn't have a lot of meaning, so I'm going to work harder. Try to stay ahead of this gnawing inside of me. Like, why am I here? Hmm. Solomon tried it. Didn't work for him either. So he asked the question in Ecclesiastes 3.9, what do people really get for all their hard work? What do people really get for all their hard work? Hmm. Good, great question. You know what this has gotten us? Don said it earlier. It's gotten us tired and crabby. Here's what I read Yes, I'm tired. For several years, I've been blaming it on middle age, iron poor blood, lack of vitamins, air pollution, greenhouse gases, water pollution, obesity, dieting, underarm odor, yellow wax buildup, and a dozen other troubles that make you wonder if life is really worth living. But now I find out it's not that I'm tired because I'm overworked. Doesn't that sound like fun? And maybe you're thinking that this morning. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. 
Just tired. Anyway, Solomon searched. He struggled. But he made some discoveries that I think are very important for us to understand. He said, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Huh. Enjoy your work, accept your lot in life. This is a gift from God himself. A gift that's available to each one of us. He also wrote, I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Yes, we can. Then I realized that these pleasures were, are from the hand of God. In other words, these are a gift from God to you. To enjoy your work. Huh. Now, let me ask you, which word is mentioned first in the Bible, work or sin? Huh. Interesting. First mention of work in the Bible is recorded for us in the creation account, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And Jesus said, my father's at work till this very day. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. <sighs> so God creates human beings. What does he do with them? What does he do with them? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we learn from Scripture, work is way before sin ever hits the scene. And if you think you're going to leave and depart this life and be floating on a cloud, strumming a harp, you're going back to work. Work was here before sin. Work is going to be here after sin. So we better understand God's plan and purpose for work because it's going to continue for eternity. Hmm. Oh, I thought I was just going to rest for eternity. No. Oh, rest in peace? Uh -uh. You're going to be working. You're going to be working, which is a good thing, right? So God takes the man, puts him in the Garden of Eden to work it, take care of it. You know the rest of the story. The first two laborers named Adam and Eve violated the only no-no in the employee handbook. The only no-no, right? You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. It's all yours. Enjoy it. Work it. Have at it. But just don't do this one thing. So, of course, what do they do? The one thing. Of course, that's what we always do. Then came sin, and their sin was, has affected everyone and everything since, including our work. And the Bible says then that when sin came into the picture, work which had once been the source of joy is a gift from the hand of God. Now is a process of pain and toil. The thorns and thistles, the Bible says, are more than just weeds for farmers to pull. Every occupation would have its share of frustrations that would make work more like work instead of what God intended it to be. So if we're spending a third of our lives at our place of work, 50% of our waking hours, do you not think that if we're in right relationship with God, we should find some source of satisfaction from our work? Hmm. Hmm. Work can become work. My youngest daughter is Leah. And she's now an RN, but before that she had a, a road to journey. And she wrote me 
years ago and said, Daddy, I so miss talking to you. Just pray about my job situation because I can't stay here for too much longer. The consumerism, negative outlook on life and all around cattiness is getting to me. I feel so empty doing what I do at Target. I feel that I could be using my gifts, giving to people who need it. She sensed this early on. I want my work to matter. And so the reason God cares, and indeed he does care deeply about our work, is because it reflects him. The God who said, I'm giving you this to enjoy from my hand. And so the way that we handle our work is a direct reflection of our relationship with him. And many of us are wearing our work clothes today, pretty much the same stuff you'd wear on a Monday morning. I think back to the jobs I've had. Pulling thistles, that was fun. Trimming Christmas trees, that was even more fun. Clean up at a canning factory, concession sales at Vilas Park Zoo. Cindy and I went back to Vilas Park uh, Friday. Not been there in a long, long time. In Madison, it's changed a lot. But that was one of my early jobs. Route sales with Frito-Lay, insurance sales with John Hancock, shoe sales, then shoe buying for a chain, and pastoring for the last 38 years. And now I'm looking at new jobs. Don, I've had two job interviews in the last two weeks. It's a little different being 66, almost 67, going in for a job interview. <laughs> ah, being interviewed by some punk that's a third of my age. I, I think this is hilarious. <laughs> It has been. I've really enjoyed it. So I, I'm two for two. Looks like we've got two job offers on the table. Wow. Woo. They'll take anybody these days. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you more about these once I know more, like next week, right? Uh, but I'm excited. It's been a fun part of the process. I haven't interviewed for a job in a long, long time. So uh, I'm ready for the wake-up call. I want my light to shine out there. This is the season of my life. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, I really genuinely am looking forward to being a light for Jesus there. I've had to learn how faith in Jesus relates to my work and understand how much my work really matters to the Father. And I want my attitude to be that of Christ Jesus. And I want to be a servant. And that's what I told my interviewers. I'm just here to serve. That's all. This age, I don't care. I just want to serve. You got a place for me? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Not so hard. Not so hard from that perspective, right? You see, God wants to work through us on the job. And whether our place of work is in a store or a school, in an office or out in the field, at home or in a hospital, our work matters very much to God. How do we see it? Is it a paycheck, a career? Is my job a drag? Or is it a ministry base of operation in which we might influence others and reflect the love of God where we are? I want my life's work to matter for God. Whether it's decades in ministry or it's serving people part-time uh, in, in what God has for me next, I want it to matter for him. 
So how, how in the world do I do that? Well, imagine a Christian community where Jesus' followers are equipped to glorify God and serve him wherever you are called to go, wherever you are sent by the master to go in business, the trades, the arts, medicine, education, everywhere in between, right? As we are equipped here for our calling there, and that's what we're doing here is being equipped for going out there. Our good works extend beyond these walls and begin to touch the lives of those around us, right? Imagine Christian educators bringing the love of Jesus to our schools so that students and families might be impacted. And you get up every day and you get to do that, Derek. You get to do that, right? Imagine Christians and business leaders cultivating companies that value people, that pay them fairly, that are honest in, in their dealings, or Christian healthcare workers bring the hope of Jesus to those who have been devastated by disease and their families, right? Imagine Christian skilled laborers bring morality and light to the assembly line, or the guy working next to us, or the lady working next to us. Christian office workers living out love that touches the heart of the person in the next cubicle. Influencing for Jesus. Imagine that. God cares about how we make the sale, how we treat customers, how we talk about our boss and our co-workers, how we handle company property. He cares about how we work and how we represent him. It's all very, very important to him. But before we'll find satisfaction and enjoyment in our place of work, we must know the Lord of the workplace. Do you know this Jesus? That's my question. Do you know this Jesus? This one who offers you a gift, a fulfillment, an enjoyment in what we do, no matter what it is that we do, right? Do you know this Jesus? It's only when we know him that this is going to make any sense at all. And if you don't know him, we'd love to share with you how you can know him. It changes life's perspective, especially in our place of work. Huh. And so, by understanding God's plan for our work, we can see our work as our ministry and ourselves as full-time Christian workers. And, and it's just, I'm convinced it's time to be uh, bolder. Now, let me explain that in closing this thing. Let me explain that. Decades ago, we want to be a witness for Jesus, Right? And some of you have journeyed this path. And so what we've done is we've, you know, put scripture verses on our license plate, you know, as a witness for Jesus. Or we, or we put this fish symbol on our car to identify the fact that we're Christians. Or some kind of bumper sticker and, or, or we go into work And we put up the faith, hope, and love kind of cutesy, artsy thing on our cubicle wall. Or maybe we have some scripture on our screensaver on the computer or we're listening to Christian music and somehow we think we're evangelizing that way. I'm telling you, as someone not from the church, I find that offensive and divisive. When you're shoving your evangelical stuff down my throat, like just because you're riding around with a fish in your car, 
Yeah, that's saying something. We're dividing. We're dividing by that. We best begin to rethink how we're going to reach lost people. Make your stand. I have no problem with that. But be thinking. Because I walked into my 20s as a non-believer, and that stuff used to drive me crazy. I don't want your Christian stuff. Get it out of my face. Go ahead and believe what you want, but don't stick it in my face. And you know what made a difference? You know what made a difference? They will know we are Christians by our love. love. Not your fish on the back of your car or a scripture verse as you cut me off. Right? So I better figure out how am I going to love people? Not having a scripture verse in my screensaver and say I'm, I'm sent out and I'm reaching the world because I got a scripture verse in my screensaver. Well, whoopee. As a non-Christian, I look at that and say, you're some kind of religious weirdo. Get away from me. Right? I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but I'm saying it's time to be bolder and faith without works is dead. We have to love people. Not divide ourselves from them, right? Okay, this is what we believe. That's fine, you believe that, right? But the idea is I have got to step into that mess and begin loving them. That is being a witness for Jesus. They'll know I am a Jesus follower, my place of work, by the way I am loving. So I have to ask myself, am I a loving person at work? Could someone tell that I'm a believer without the, the license plate and the bumper stickers and the stuff on the screen and all that stuff would they know I'm a believer by the way that I'm talking about them and to them and about my boss and all the rest of it will they know I'm a Jesus follower by my love I hope so I hope so but it's time to rethink this folks our places of work are precious and they matter to God but he wants us to let our light shine by putting the love of Jesus into action in our lives. That makes sense to you? Yes. I hope that it does. And there's nothing wrong with all the other stuff, right? That's all cool. That's what God chooses for you. Great. You are not going to find a Christian verse on my license plate, nor a fish on my car. Because I know the way I drive. <laughs> right? But if there's someone in need, I want to stop and say, do you need help? Not drive on by with my scripture verse on my license plate and the fish on my... Oh, you get it. You guys are great, you know that? I want our workplaces to matter for God. And I don't know where I'm going yet, but God does. And I want to make a difference for Jesus wherever he takes me. And I'm not perfect. But I know his love has got to come through me. Through my words and my actions. God help us to do this. And so. May we receive the gift that God desires to give us. Satisfaction in our work. Whether you're changing a diaper or changing a tire. Working on a line or sitting at a desk. Whatever our hand finds to do. May we do it with all of our heart. For him. And watch the impact. 
Watch the impact. Ask Jesus to help us. So we're going to take just a few minutes and close. I'd like you to form groups of six or eight. You've got the instructions there. Select a fearless leader to lead your group. Find out who everyone is. Some are visiting here on Labor Day. Uh, we want to make sure you understand there's no obligation to share, but this is pretty simple. Uh, a little bit about who you are. Take just a moment to do that. But the question we want to focus on is this. In light of what we've just learned, how is or can our workplace be our ministry base? How are you working that out where you work now? And I think the ideas that are shared are going to be an encouragement to everyone else around you. How do you let the love of Jesus shine through you at work? Make sense to you? This will be the application to the teaching. But I want us all to apply it together. How can we make, or how are we making our places of work, our ministry base for Jesus? Because as Sam comes when we're done with that and closes us, we're going to be sent out to those places. So how can we make a difference? All right, uh, when you hear the music, uh, that is our signal to stop. Derek, you got that cued? This is actually one of my running songs. So give us a little hint. When you hear, hear this, uh, you'll know what's going on. It's very quiet when I run. <laughs> Where is this from, by the way? You're a paratrooper, you would know. <laughs> yeah. So when you hear this, uh, that means it's time to wrap up your group, okay? Everybody set? All right, any questions? Please participate. If you're not comfortable doing that, please don't. Uh, we're just going to share together how we can do this. Okay? Everybody ready? Uh, the chairs are movable here at Rise Church. Let's all stand. Right? And kind of huddle up, groups of six or eight, and get to work.